If you don't have a Bible with you and are going to be using one of the red ones nearby you, it is on page 534. 534. We are uh, continuing our sermon series through the book of Acts. And each week we're looking at how the gospel is going forth uh, to the ends of the world. And we've titled this part of the series, The Gospel for Everyone. And there's a lot I want to unpack about Acts chapter 8, so I'm just going to real briefly intro it, uh, and then we're going to get into it and talk. But my, my question to you is, have you ever felt like an outsider? Have you ever felt like you don't belong? Maybe it was a, a group of, of peers in school or even at your workplace where you didn't feel like you belonged with them. Or maybe it was a faith community where you felt on the outside. I mean, it hurts to be rejected and feel like you don't belong and that you're on the outside. <clears throat> in this chapter, we're going to read a story about a man who felt like he was an outsider, but that the gospel went to this man and told him that Jesus wanted him and made a way for him to come in. And that's what we're going to look at today. And the three things we're going to see in this passage, uh, if you want to take notes and um, find out where we're going, the three things are we're, we're going to see a divine appointment, we're going to see a desperate situation, and we're going to see a double identification. And I'll explain that last one at the end, but we're going to see a divine appointment, a desperate situation, and a double identification. All right, Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, seated in his chariot, and, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went out in, down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. 
But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Sisera. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that the gospel that we believe, the gospel that we read about is for everyone, even this Ethiopian. We pray through your spirit that we would learn from this story, both about our mission and the message of that mission, Lord, that you welcome the outsider. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first thing that's clearly obvious about this passage, that's different than the one we looked at last week, which is also Philip taking the gospel to a new place. What's different about this passage, what's, what's so clear about this, is that Jesus is the one controlling the story. There are three times in this passage, in verses 26, 29, and 39, that we read, the Spirit of Christ told Philip to do something. Jesus is the one who is in control. He, he tells him to leave Samaria, leave your ministry there, and then go to this road in the desert. And when he gets there, he says, all right, do you see that chariot? Now run alongside that chariot. And then afterward, the Spirit says, all right, now you're done, go over there. But there's more than just the Spirit talking. There's more at work, because what are the coincidences that when Philip gets to this desert road, there happens to be someone also there. And, and then when, when he's by the chariot, this man in the chariot just so happens to be reading his Bible. And he just so happens to be reading a, a passage in his Bible about Jesus, but he doesn't know it. And he, he just so happens to see a Jew who's there and is able to explain the prophet Isaiah. I mean, there are too many coincidences for this to just be a random event. No. Very clearly, we see that this is a divine appointment. There is something very intentional and purposeful at work here. And we have to ask, why? Like, what is going on? Why would Jesus set this up? Like, like a, a puppet master controlling all the pieces. What is happening? What is the purpose of these events lining up the way they are? In order to know why Jesus sent Philip to this man, you have to know who is this man that Jesus sent Philip to. You have to know a little bit about him. And, and Luke tells us who he is. Luke tells us he's an Ethiopian eunuch that he is a court official in the kingdom. He works for the queen of the land. He's in charge of the money. And so what do we know? This man is uh, an African. He's not from North Africa. He's from the middle. So he's black. He's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. And he's a eunuch. I'll explain a little bit about that in a, in a bit. But just for this sake, he's a sexual minority. He, if, if there was anyone in the story of the Bible who could say, I feel like an outsider to God's people, 
I, I feel like I don't belong with God's people, it was this man. It, almost everything about his identity meant that he could not be part of God's people. But Jesus says, I choose you. I, I want you to be part of my family. So Jesus sends Philip on this divine appointment to share the gospel. But why? Because this man, he becomes the first true Gentile convert to Christianity. He's the first Gentile person to be baptized and follow Jesus. I mean, that's an incredible. For generations, for millennia, God's people had been passed down from parent to child and parent to child, and it was kept in this one culture. But now the gospel is breaking forth, going to the ends of the world. And the first person to receive this from outside any connection to Judaism is a black man from Africa. I think we need to sit on that for a minute. Most of us in this room, I, I believe, don't have Jewish ancestry. We don't have a claim to the historic people of God. Most of us in this room, a lot of the people that we meet in, the, in our community are Gentiles, non-Jews. And if we, Gentiles, who have come to faith, if, if, if that is true of us, in some ways, this Ethiopian eunuch He's the one that made it possible for us. In many ways, we need to look at him as our spiritual father. He received the gospel before the gospel went to Europe. Be before it became this Western religion, the gospel first went to Africa. And this man... He receives the gospel and returns back to his country rejoicing. And we know from church traditions that he shared the gospel and established the Ethiopian church, which to this day is the oldest and longest established church in Christian history. The Ethiopian church still remains today. I think we, as Westerners, need a good reminder. The gospel doesn't belong to us. It doesn't really belong to anyone, but it certainly doesn't belong to us. It is for everyone. And before it came to the West, it went to Africa. I think we have a lot to learn from the, the variety, the beautiful diversity of God's church. Too long, we've, we've sort of kept it to ourselves. But Jesus chooses a black man from Africa to be the first. That's significant. By 2025, a majority of the world's Christians will not be from the West. They'll be from Africa and South America and parts of Asia. More and more, Africans are sending Christian missionaries to the West to plant churches in historically Christian nations. 
Look, the, the gospel is, is moving across this world. It's not ours. I think Jesus wants us to see he, he set this up because the gospel is for everyone, and we need to learn that. Look, in Mayfield Heights, for the last several years, the predominant story of our community has been one of a monoculture. And the churches in our community have reflected that too. But for the last couple of years, the city has changed. It's, it's diversifying. We, we've got new neighbors moving in next door. And look, they're looking around and wondering, do I belong here? Is, is this the city for me? Will my neighbors accept me? Am I welcome here or am I an outsider? We have this wonderful, incredible opportunity as the church to say, yes, you are welcome here. You, you do belong. The gospel is for you. And so come. That, that's the story that we are a part of at Story Church. We want to be a people that invite neighbors, sometimes neighbors who don't feel like they belong, into the story of Jesus. Because the story of Jesus is for them. So Jesus sets up this divine appointment. He says, I want you to be part of my family. How did that happen? Well, it happened because this man was in a desperate situation. So what else do we know about him? This Ethiopian, Luke tells us he was in charge of the queen's finances. And so you, you could think of him as like the CFO of the Ethiopian kingdom. I mean, he had, he had, he himself had tremendous wealth. He had great access to power and authority. We, we know he was able to make this trip from Ethiopia to Jerusalem on a chariot, 1,500 miles. It would have taken five, maybe six months. He was able to do this. He had tremendous wealth, tremendous power. He had everything that you and I desire. But there's a danger when we have it all or when we think we have it all. And this is the danger. Maybe you've felt something like this. This is the danger. You wake up one day and you realize this wasn't enough. There's got to be more out there. I came across a, uh, an interview with Tom Brady. It was an interview he gave years ago, back when he was playing for the New England Patriots. He had only won three of his seven Super Bowls. I mean, Tom Brady is, is arguably the best NFL quarterback to have ever played the game. And at, at you know, at maybe at the peak, he thought was the peak of his performance, he gave this interview to 60 Minutes about everything that he had gained. And he said this, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think that there's something greater out there for me. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, that's, this is just what it is. I've reached my goal, my dream, my life. And you know what I think? 
I think, God, there's got to be more than this out there. I mean, I mean, this can't be all that it's cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? I wish I knew. Have you ever woken up and wondered, is this all that life has to offer? I mean, I feel like maybe I've made it, but I'm not filled. Is there more? This Ethiopian eunuch had everything you and I could ever want. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for him. One day he woke up and said, is this all that the world has to offer me? Look, in his day, money and power was important and it was sought after, but it wasn't the most important thing. In his day, what mattered more than money and power was family. It was was family that brought honor and glory to one's life. I mean, having a a name for yourself, a large family that with, with kids and grandchildren, that was what it meant to be successful and have everything. And yet, this man who had all power and authority, all the money he could ever imagine, every day this man was reminded he had no family. He couldn't have a family. He was a eunuch. Now, a eunuch was someone who was forced to have his body mutilated so that he could never have kids, never have a family. It was done oftentimes against their will, but it was definitely done forcibly. And this man, why would he be a eunuch? Well, if you wanted to work in the kingdom, if you wanted to work for the queen, well, you had to do this. A, a, a pastor friend of mine explained it this way. Uh, many women in this room might know the experience of going in for an interview at a job. And the interviewer might ask you questions about, about your personal life. And this is illegal, but what they are trying to learn about you is whether or not you're going to soon have children. It's illegal to find that out, to ask that question, but they want to know. Because they're wanting to know, are you going to be loyal to this company or will your priorities be on your children? To work for the queen, they would force these men to become eunuchs because they wanted full loyalty. They didn't want their attention on anything else. And they, they were fearful that if this person working in the kingdom had children, well, then they posed a threat to the dynasty that they were trying to uphold. And so they forcibly cut him off from having a family. And so this man who, who had everything that you and I want, but felt empty inside, he could never have a family. He felt dried up, cut off from the land of the living in many ways. What did he do in his desperate situation? He turned to God. He he turned to religion. A lot of people in moments of crisis or pain or suffering or emptiness will turn to the church. And we talk about that. 
that, that God offers us satisfaction and fulfillment. And so this man says, all right, I know that the Jews worship this God, and they say that this is the true God, the one God who will fill every need that I have. I am going to go and worship him. And so he packs his bags. He takes time off work. He loads himself up in his chariot. He goes three months journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. And he finally arrives in the city of David and he can see the temple on the hill. And he can't wait to go and worship God. And he's walking up the steps and you have to think, well, he knows he's not a Jew. And so he can't go up to the temple, but he knows there's this outer court where Gentiles are allowed to come and worship God. And he gets right up to the temple gate and he says, I want to come and worship. And the guard standing there looks at him, looks him up and down. He knows what kind of man this is. And he says, no. You're not allowed in here. The Ethiopian, he doesn't know what just happened. But everyone around him, everyone in the temple who knew their Bibles knew exactly what had just happened. Everyone there knew that Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 1 says that no man who is a eunuch is allowed to enter the assembly of God. He was rejected. He was sent out. He was left empty. And so he gets back in his chariot and he starts the long road home. This man was in a desperate situation for hope. And they turned him away. Have you ever felt rejected by the church? Have you ever felt turned away? I, I hope that that'll never be the story of anyone that comes in our doors. But I know that there are real pain and suffering on behalf of the church. I know that people have felt judged coming to church. I know that people, even if they feel welcome, they come down and they sit down and there's the voice in their head that says, you don't belong have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt guilt or shame or fear that this isn't the place for you? Maybe like this Ethiopian eunuch, you don't look like everyone else. You're not from the same background. Maybe there's something in your past, an experience that you went through or that was done to you that causes shame or fear? Have you ever felt like you don't belong here? Friends, that's why we need the gospel. It's because Jesus says, if the world has rejected you, I will welcome you. This man needed to hear the gospel. That's what we talk about every week. And so he gets in his chariot and he starts riding home and, and Jesus sends Philip to share the gospel. 
Jesus sends Philip to run alongside of this chariot. And this man is, is reading an Isaiah scroll on his way home because he's wondering, who is this God that they, they just rejected me? Who is this person? And that's what he's wondering. Who is Isaiah talking about? And, and Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? No, come on in. And so they have a Bible study in this chariot, and they open up the Bible, and they show, Philip shows this man who Jesus is. The, the question that the Ethiopian had was, who is Isaiah talking about? Who is this man that Isaiah 53 is talking about? This, this man who was rejected, this man who was oppressed, this man who had injustice done to him. Was he talking about himself or was he talking about someone else? What is this man's identity? And Philip, beginning with this passage, begins to explain who Jesus is. And Philip knows that this passage is about Jesus. He knows that in, in two ways. One, like in a broad sense, Jesus said everything that, that the law and the prophets wrote about, they were writing about me. And so Isaiah, all of the promises of Isaiah find their fulfillment in Jesus. But then more specifically, Philip knows this passage is about Jesus. This passage, Isaiah 53 it belongs to a collection of passages in Isaiah called the Servant Songs. And it was a group of poems about a figure, a person, who would come to God's people, and he would come as a servant. And the way that this servant would serve God's people would be to come to them and identify with them and so identify with them that this servant would choose to die in their place. This servant came to serve them and give himself up on behalf of these people whom he identified with. And Philip knows that Jesus said this passage is about him. In Mark 10, Jesus says, I did not come to be served like a great king messiah that everyone wants me to be. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve, to be a servant, and to give my life up as a ransom for many. I came to serve and suffer for those I identify with. And so Philip says, this man is Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth is the one who has come into the world and identifies with anyone who is suffering. Jesus is the one who came into the world and identifies with those who have been rejected and humiliated. I mean, just look at verse 33. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Jesus is the one who experienced shame, humiliation, rejection, oppression. He identifies with the outsider, even as far as saying Jesus was denied family. Jesus didn't have children or grandchildren. Jesus' life was taken away, cut off from the land of the living. 
Philip says, Jesus knows what you are going through. He came for you. He came to identify with you. And he came to die for you. Friends, if you have felt rejected, Jesus knows what you're going through. If you have felt shame, Jesus knows your shame. He's experienced it. If you feel humiliated, exposed, left out to die, Jesus knows that. He came to identify with that, with you. But that alone does not welcome an outsider in. Yes, we, we see in Jesus our Savior who gave up his life for us so that those who are on the outside, those who feel hurt and oppressed and rejected, have a Savior. But they had to keep going. They had to keep reading. Look, Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about baptism, and yet at the end of their Bible study, the, this man wants to be baptized. They had to keep reading. And I think, I hope, I believe that they read Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54, Isaiah 55, and got to Isaiah 56. And in Isaiah 56, Isaiah says this, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuch who keeps my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall never be cut off. Friends, yes, Jesus has come to identify with us, but when we identify with him, when we join ourselves to the Lord, he gives us honor and glory and a name above every other name so that those who feel like outsiders in Jesus were welcomed in, that they have a name that will go on for eternity, that in the courts of heaven, there will be a monument to those who have been oppressed and sent out. Friends, this is why Jesus came into the world, to identify with us, to know everything that we go through, yet he was without sin, so that he could become a perfect substitute in our place but he also came so that we could identify with him, to join him, to trust in him. And when we join to the Lord, he gives us his glory, his righteousness, his honor. So even this eunuch who has no family, who cannot have a family, he will have more honor than any number of sons and daughters would bring him. He will have more glory and a family that spreads out now through faith across the world. You and I, Gentiles now in Jesus, are part of this man's family. This is why Jesus came into the world so that he could identify with us on the outside and bring us in. The question before you is this. Have you joined yourself to him? Do you identify with him? 
the Ethiopian eunuch knew what he had to do. I need to be baptized. I need to identify with my Savior. I need to go into the waters of baptism and identify with the one who has identified with me. That's what baptism is. A declaration that Jesus has come and lived your life perfectly, died to purify you of your sin, and in him, by union with him, all of his blessings are ours. That's what baptism demonstrates. Have you joined yourself to Christ? Have you been baptized? If you haven't, talk with me. Let's get that happening. Let us celebrate that Jesus identified with us and that through faith we can identify with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have sent your message of hope into the world. That gospel is for everyone, and we want to have eyes to see, Lord, who it is that you are even sending us, your church, to share that with. But Lord, we also pray, even for ourselves, that we would know more and more what it means to identify with you, the one who stepped out of heaven and, and came to this world lived in our place and died in our place, Lord. We want to be people that identify with you and are covered with your honor and your glory and have a name above all names forever in your kingdom. Lord, let us be a church that shares that message with our neighbors, invites them into it too, Lord, that it would be true of them as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.